Studios. This, this is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. Powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. Happy motherfucking Friday, everybody. Welcome to another episode of After 9. What a great weekend. I feel like there's a good positive energy out there today, Kat. I can't put my finger on it, but I'm in a good mood because it's the weekend. It's Super Bowl weekend. It's Valentine's weekend. Uh, it's Dave on the podcast for a second Friday in a row weekend. What's up, Dave? How are you? Hello. Imagine that. Two in a row, huh? Crazy. Crazy how we've strung together <laughs> this incredible streak. Ah, okay. Just quickly, before we dive into all the amazing content that we'll wow you with for the next 45 minutes. Speaking of streaks, the Raptors are on fire. Red hot, red hot. Like they leveled Houston last night. Gary Trent Jr. had 42 points. Give me a break. Yeah, he's good. So good. What a find that was. Good job, Masai Ujiri. Uh, it's so funny because there's a lot of fans that are Raptors fans. And when a new player comes to town, they're like, well, I can't believe you got rid of one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. And then a new guy comes in that you don't really know too much about. And then are we talking about Norm Powell right now? No, we're talking about Gary Trent Jr., who is on fire right now. Like, totally. It's just, it's, you know, once we get to know them and we're like, ah, now that's our guy. So it's nice to see, what, you know, when we put some trust in Masai and the team that they bring together some pretty good stuff. And I think it's going to continue to happen. They're going to continue to grow very fast. So while we're talking sports, <laughs> Bengals or Rams? I know he's not oh. talking to me. He's talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to say Rams, um, although the emotional favorite seems to be the Bengals. Uh, everybody's going Bengals, right? Is it because they're the underdog or because they're typically shitty or wh- what's the deal? Yeah, I mean, they hadn't well, they hadn't got out of the first round of the playoffs in like 31 years or first playoff game or whatever it was. Um, that's pretty crazy. That's a long streak. But I don't think anybody expected them to be this this team that they turned into this year. So, yeah, I can understand why there's that emotional connection to it. Nobody was really paying attention to this team at all till about halfway, maybe three quarters of the way through the season. And then everyone went, oh, wait, this team's pretty good. Cat, Bengals or Rams? Uh, I'm going to go Rams on this one. <laughs> really? Yeah. Hmm. It's L.A., baby. She's going for the potato skins. <laughs> um, <laughs> you were the one that told me this. The halftime show, they get 13 minutes. Is that correct? Yeah, this year it's 13 minutes. This is one of those weird years where I actually feel like people are more excited about the halftime than they are for the actual yeah. game. Like, I think on the Monday, specifically, we'll know. Because people are going to be buzzing about the halftime show more so than the game itself. I Majority. I know there's people out there that don't care. They never care about the halftime show. But majority of people, I think, are going to be talking about this, especially considering when you hear they had the press conference yesterday. Only a few of them were there. But Eminem did his own thing on his Shade 45 uh, station. And he said he's nervous. And I don't think much would make Eminem. You would assume maybe that's just an assumption that Eminem doesn't get nervous much when he's performing. But he said going into it, he basically thought, "Okay, this is cool. Yeah, we'll all rap together. It's fun. Like low key. He's like, nothing about what's about to happen is low-key. And that makes me excited. That's amazing. Ugh. I was going to ask you if you think people are excited to because of the performance or if they're excited to see if they can still do it. Oh, I think there's no doubt they can still do it. I think they're going to blow the hypothetical roof off that place. I think this is going to be one of the best halftime shows yeah. ever. I think Jay-Z has put everything into it. I think Dre is taking this more seriously than he's taken anything in a long time. And this is just going to be a show for the ages. I'm excited. It's a little strange, though, because, I mean, I get the the Eminem and Dre connection for sure. I obviously get the Snoop Dogg connection. 
It works. Kendrick Lamar seemed a little random to me. And it's weird because I like Kendrick Lamar. He's one of the few artists where I can actually listen to the whole album. It's the versus thing. It's Eminem versus Kendrick. The argument has continued for years ever since Kendrick came along is who's a better rapper, Eminem or Kendrick Lamar. And it's always those two names constantly. So why not bring in two people who will definitely get an audience regardless of whether you think it's Team M or Team Kendrick and have both of them? Uh, We all know that Eminem has done a lot of duets over the years. Will Mary J step in and do like the female vocal from Stan? Is Mary J going to step in and and do like Monster instead of Rihanna? Is she going to factor into any of this? There are so many songs to choose from when you look at that when you look at that catalog and even if you give each song 30 seconds, you still don't even have enough time to fill 13. Like it's insane. They could fill five hours with the amount of content between all of these people. I don't think they'll have time for those kinds of things. I think they're going to get right to it because they only have 13 minutes. Look at the catalog between these people. It's insanity. You want to make Just sure you at, hit every hit. Look at Eminem alone. Yeah. You could do two hours of Eminem. Yeah. So I don't <laughs> think they're going to, I don't think they're going to bother with it. Like I, I, and I don't mean that in a way like, oh, they're not going to bother with a song with Rihanna or Dido or whatever the fuck it might be. But I think that they're going to hit all of the meat and potatoes. And that means the songs with Dre and Snoop. And that means the songs with Eminem and Dre. They're going to make sure that they give the people what they want. Mm-hmm. Do they open with Lose Yourself? I don't, mm. You know what? The opening one is hard, is is a really tough call. Sure, because like, it doesn't have to be a hit, or it could be a gigantic hit. When you look at this, when you look at this roster, if you will, for the headline act, Dre always comes first. It's Dr. Dre, then everybody else, basically. So does that mean they start with Dre? I don't necessarily think he believes that he should start. I don't well, think where's so. The, you know where the game is, right? It's L.A. Yeah. Yeah. They start with California love. Well, and the Tupac, that's where the Tupac hologram comes in, right? I, I oh. do, I do, oh, yeah, right. I think they're using it. Like, no, no, no joke. That's the rumor. Oh. So I, I believe that they're going to bring the hologram. They've done it before, though. The thing is, they've done it before. They did it at Coachella 2012. Yeah. They did it 10 years ago. Maybe they'll do it again. Maybe there's been some upgrades to the hologram. I don't, I couldn't begin to tell you how the technology works and how it gets upgraded. It was a firmware update that they did. <laughs> <laughs> it took a long time, but they rebooted, and here we go. I, I don't know if that like I, I do believe that somehow, some way, Pac's going to be in there. It's just a matter of how they utilize it. Is it the same song? Is it a different song? Is it him maybe talking? I don't know, but they will utilize it. California Love makes absolute sense. Yes, maybe it makes more sense to end with it. But that's the thing. If is they're going to do the holiday. Yeah, yeah, sure. And that's an and that's an easy one to to guess. They might throw us a total curveball. They might throw us a total curveball on that one. I don't know. Hmm. Can I just throw this out there because Scott mentioned it? Yeah. <laughs> The hologram, if it does start to mess up, if there are any glitches or anything oh. like, oh, oh no, T- Tupac is stuck on the glitch. Does uh, does an engineer really say, did you try rebooting it? <laughs> <laughs> does that right. actually happen? That's the only thing they say first. That's I think it's in, in the every engineer's contract to first say, did you reboot? <laughs> like if you've ever had an IT problem at work ever, no matter what it is, the, the first question is, did you reboot it? Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the most patronizing things you can say to somebody who's having computer issues. Did, is, you, did you reboot? Did you unplug the hologram of Tupac and then blow on it and then plug, plug it, back. it back in? <laughs> it's not a Nintendo cartridge. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of uh, uh, Eminem and and Dre and this whole team, Dave, were you? I'm trying to remember. Were you and I working together when Michelle was our intern? Yeah. Okay, so Michelle's in L.A. right now. She is Eminem's makeup person. And I always found it fascinating that she was so low-key about it. She really wanted to get into radio, and she was interning on our morning show in Toronto back in the day. 
And I thought to myself, wait a second, when you leave here, you're flying to Detroit to do Eminem's makeup before he goes on like Good Morning America or something. But you want to be here working for minimum wage. Wasn't there that- was some. Yeah, there was something weird. I'm trying to remember like she and she very professional about it and didn't bring it up ever. It was like a year into her working with us before we found out. And and it was like, a yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm heading to um, God. What was it? It was like the Grammys or something like that. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, I have to fly out to the Grammys after the morning show. And we're like, wait, what? You're going to the Grammys? Like, yeah. And then she kind of told us what was going on. And we went, huh? This whole time you didn't tell us this. Yeah. But I guess it's probably a good idea because I don't think I would have shut up about it. I, I, ever since they announced the halftime show, I've been DMing her and she hasn't replied yet. So I yeah, think she's yeah. busy. I, I have no <laughs> doubt about it. She's, she's either signed NDAs or like you said, Dave, she doesn't like being asked the questions. Yeah. So yeah. she's and just I, like I low key. That. Well, I mean, and it's, that's probably he's kept her for, you know, on, on his staff for how long now? At least so 15 she's clearly, years. Yeah, so she clearly knows what she's doing, A, and then B, is also good at keeping a rap on things and doesn't have to talk about it. Yeah. So I like that. Well, she knows all of them. Anybody in that shady Aftermath family, like she's done Dre's makeup a number of times. I mean, it's a pretty cool gig, and she is so humble about it. I love it. And by the way, she'll tell you, he is just a guy next door. He's not Eminem. He's, he's just Marshall. He's fascinating. Oh my like, God, is he's, he ever? He's so fascinating. I remember seeing his story, not to get too off topic, but I remember after he made it big, like I'm talking like two, three albums in, he used to call his manager to ask if he could purchase items. And I'm talking about like $1,000 items. He was like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Because of how he grew up, right? He's like, I don't know if I can do that. And he'd have to call his management. His management would be like, you have like $10 million in the bank. Yes, you can buy those pair of sneakers. <laughs> don't be ridiculous. I call my wife if I want to buy an $80 pair of jeans. <laughs> yeah, I get it. <laughs> That's funny that you've got $80 jeans. That's twice as much as my most expensive pair. Dave yeah, also know, right? Dave also has $10 million in the bank. Fun fact. Well, yeah, yeah sure. Let's uh, jump to it here. They say this is a uh, a phone call that somebody recorded. They had left a message for Premier Doug Ford, and Doug does call people back. He tries to anyway. I know he's getting a little inundated lately, but he does try to call people back. He returned a call to a constituent and the guy recorded it and put it out there. So since it's out there, let's play this message that Doug Ford sort of, it's not really a message. It's, it's the conversation that got recorded. Let's play it here. Your message is sitting there. I got about 250 as of lunch today. Yep. I'm going to make this quick because I got to get uh, no worries. moving on this. Uh, we're, we're pulling these passports. We're going to get back to normal. And, uh, you know, I can't give you the exact date, uh, but it's going to be very soon. Okay. Okay. No. Nope. We're going to be speaking uh, over the next few days. Friday, I'm going to put out a statement. Monday, I'll be giving some dates. And we're going to uh, move forward. Okay. Thanks okay. a lot. Okay. Appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Okay, doesn't it feel like we're in kind of an abusive relationship with the provincial government right now? Wait a minute. They're just fucking with us. Is that a leaked announcement about an announcement about an announcement? Yes, ma'am. Wow, we've hit a new realm, haven't we? Uh Uh-huh. This is the metaverse. (laughs) This is what it is. (laughs) What a weird situation. I mean, okay, first and foremost, whoever Doug Ford was talking to, I don't think he really assumed that was incompetence. I think he knew, even though this seems, it's, it's leaked, guys. Oh, my gosh. He probably knew there was a chance someone would leak that information because it was very cash. I got 250 messages. I'll make this brief. It's going to happen. We're going to we're going to pull the plug on these vax passports. I'll give more info soon. He's probably okay with it leaking, but that's I mean that's good to know. It's nice to know that that's going to happen soon. Well, let's recap the day the events of the last three days. Wednesday, 
Health Minister Christine Elliott comes out and is incredibly invasive and borderline rude to just flat out ignore reporters' legitimate questions and just answer what she wanted to answer. It was awful. She basically said, yeah, we're going to stay the course. We told you February 21st and March 15th of the next two dates, and we'll stick to those dates. No mention of vax passports or mandates or anything. Then yesterday... Dr. Kieran Moore comes out and he had an interesting news conference where he said, yeah, you know, it, we can revisit that. In fact, we've got to revisit everything. And next week, I'll advise the government. Simultaneously, Doug Ford, who apparently isn't going to be advised by the chief medical officer until next week, is telling constituents we're going to gas those fucking passports and I'm going to put out a statement tomorrow. Announcement Monday. They'll be gone real soon. What the fuck? <laughs> Don't you guys talk to each other? Isn't there like a place at Queen's Park where you guys can all fill up your coffees and, and can say, hey, these Vax passports. Some of them are talking like it had never come up before. It had never occurred to them no, that like, maybe we should get rid of them. Like a text chain or anything? Nothing. Like- Don't you guys have a group chat? <laughs> Seriously. Is there not a group chat with Doug, Christine, and Kieran Moore in there? I'm amazed that this is the messaging coming from the supreme leaders here. Uh, that voicemail, as bizarre as it was, uh, was after Dr. Moore spoke, and I do want to play just a little bit of Dr. Moore from yesterday. What would you say to people who um, are, are, are claiming that some of the provinces have already moved on uh, measures because of pressure from the protest in Ottawa at the, uh, the Windsor border crossing and elsewhere, and that anything you do now is just going to be giving in to the the protesters, and and therefore you shouldn't do it. You should keep everything in place. I hope all Ontarians uh, are watching the data as we are, uh, and it is showing a remarkable uh, and rapid decline in risk to hospitalization, in risk uh, to uh, get admitted to the intensive care unit. Uh, And our approach in Ontario has always been to follow data, uh, and that data is showing very positive trends. Uh, And I think, as you've said, uh, Brian, you've heard from me before, we will always follow the data. Uh, No public health measure should be in place any longer than it has to be, uh, and hence, without any external pressure, because I don't really watch the news too much. Um, we, we I wonder if he listens to this podcast. <laughs> Do you believe that, though? No, I don't believe it for a second. He's incredibly influenced by the, the news. are uh, absolutely committed uh, to removing public health measures in a timely, evidence-based, science-driven, science-driven manner, uh, and we'll be making recommendations to government next week. Uh, we'll be monitoring the trends all weekend, but uh, I can't thank Ontarians enough uh, for continuing to wear their masks, wash their hands, uh, get their first, second, and third doses. It is protecting us. It's protecting our health system. And as a result, uh, all of the metrics are improving dramatically. He did go on to say a couple other things, like uh, when they asked him specifically about the vaccine passports, he said, well, you know, we're going to have to look at the vaccine passports and and look at the available data. And, you know, really, vax passports are just one layer of protection because, you know, in restaurants, you know, they've got the, the plexiglass and they've got the distancing and all that other shit. He more or less implied that we just need to think about the vax passport thing a little while longer. And I'm trying to figure out exactly what the strategy is here. He says he wants more data. Does he actually want more data? Because we've got data. We had vax passports. And we still ended up shut down. So I don't know what more data he needs. But if we already had it and it didn't work, is there really any reason to think it'll work in the next run? Who knows? That's up to him. 
Or is he really just trying to ease people into it who are legitimately scared about a reopening? Is he trying to not freak out the seniors and the the COVID zero folks and stuff like that? Maybe he's just trying to seem reserved and cautious, even though in behind the scenes, he's making a a run for the border, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I don't think that anything he says is going to make anybody happy. And it's been that way for two years now. Nobody is happy all the time. And never anything you say is going to make everybody happy any of the time. So when he's I still think that they kind of throw those little nuggets out there to to gauge public response. And then they kind of make decisions on it, which bothers me because I don't feel that that's based on any real science or any real information, data, that kind of thing. It's really they're kind of gauging the opinion. And because it is an election year. Yeah, it's very much an election year, and nobody knows that more than Doug. And they're following suit. I mean, they're following other provinces because that's where the pressure hits, right? Is when you see what Alberta's doing or what Saskatchewan is doing, and then all of a sudden, even though we're a different province with different population numbers, the pressure's still on you. Sure. Absolutely. Hey, I don't know if they've gotten any better at reading the room. It seems like they just became aware that this was an issue on Wednesday when the more conservative columnists started calling them out for this ridiculous plan. Three weeks in between steps, even though you only actually have to isolate for five days, the whole thing just doesn't make any sense at all. I'm thinking to myself, maybe now they just woke up to the fact that, oh, wait a second, there are a lot of actual people out there that are ready to get going on with life here. And that influences them more than anything else. There's a lot of people that are asking the questions of, okay, so you have a three-week period between step A and B. What's changed what what where are we now what did we do that helped and if it did help can you explain how it helped and they don't they don't explain it no so (laughs) sitting here going like uh so did this work this time or did it end up just like last time we did this what's going on and that's the problem is nobody seems to be able to answer that nobody wants to answer that and people are getting frustrated with it it's again the disappearing act right like he you know the premier disappears he's out of the picture when he doesn't want to answer the tough questions then he comes back around when it's time to deliver the good news oh we're, we're starting to move towards uh reopening yeah that's a good thing everybody feels that it's a good thing doug hides until it's good news time and then he comes out it, it's been that way for a while and it's frustrating there's one more thing i want to play because i know that there's some people who think okay take away the vax passport that's the wrong thing what you should do is add the third shot to the passport and then it'll be more effective and, and Dr. Moore was flat out asked about that. Let me rephrase it a little bit. Our, our vaccine passports, I mean, and yes, with the additional measures, but should they either be scrapped or should they be upgraded to three doses? What would the best science be on this? So I, I think we have to be realistic. Um, we have 6.6 million Ontarians that have come forward for their third doses. We're not going to hold back uh, and mandate uh, through proof of vaccination that uh, five more million Ontarians get uh, immunized with third doses. Two doses is exceptionally protective against admission to hospital. Uh, it, it does protect you against uh, uh, ending up in an intensive care unit and or death. It's done its job protecting Ontarians. Uh, and because 12 plus, we have over 90% protection now, uh, I think it's an, a prudent time to review uh, proof of vaccination as one tool in a multi-layered approach uh, for, for these venues. <laughs> he basically said what we've been talking about for a month. He basically said too many people don't have a booster. We can't mandate it because there's 5 million people in Ontario that don't have a third shot. 
So they're going to basically scrap that plan, scrap the passports, and they're going to celebrate the fact that there's over 90% have had two shots. It's amazing how much the messaging changed in a week from got to get your third dose, get your third dose. And maybe at one point they were even considering adding the booster to it. Based on what I just heard, and I will hang on to that audio in case he tries to deny he said it, it doesn't look like they're adding the third shot to the Vax passport. And it doesn't look like we're going to have a Vax passport maybe even a week from now. For much longer, yeah. Which is good. Uh, Dave, would you like to be the mayor of Windsor right now? Because I understand that the one they've got is uh, pretty busy at the moment. I wouldn't like to be the mayor of Windsor on a good day. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the busiest place on earth right now is that McDonald's right at the bottom of the Ambassador Bridge. I just want to do a shout out to anybody that is around the Windsor area, has been in the Windsor area. Tunnel Barbecue was the place to be. That was wonderful. I remember that place. Yeah. Yeah. So the from what I understand, the story was the family. Um, uh, the the owner of the family was the dad of the family, and he passed away. And then the the son and daughter um, took the company and split it up. And then now they're doing their own restaurants. And you could still buy the tunnel sauce, which is like world famous. Um, but you have to go to some other different restaurants to find it. That was the one reason I liked going to Windsor. What would you do with these truckers? Because now even the White House is involved. Reports say that uh, the White House contacted the Prime Minister's office yesterday and basically said, "Fix the fucking problem here." Well, what's the answer? Uh, There's no simple answer to any of this because this whole uh, convoy conversation has evolved uh, since it started. And it's not about the same thing anymore. And it was hijacked at some point. And the message became different. If you you go down and you watch some of the the commentary that's coming out of it, people are saying when they're asked, what is the reason you're here? And this is the reason we're here is because we want Trudeau out. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wait, wait, hang on a second. And then you go ask somebody else and they say something different. So as organized as it is, it's still very disorganized. I don't know what the answer is, to be quite honest. And I am glad I don't have to make the decision, but somebody does. Uh, Doug is doing a news conference and it's going to happen. It's 10 a.m. as we're recording now at 1030. Doug is speaking. So around 11, Doug is going to come out and (laughs) (laughs) he is going to. uh, I've heard everything from declare a state of emergency, which would then be a second state of emergency in Ontario, a double emergency, if you will. And if you want to tack on a third state of emergency for Ottawa at completely the opposite end of the province, we could essentially have a triple state of emergency in Ontario because we're still in the state of emergency from COVID that started two years ago. But if they declare a state of emergency, the government can move faster and do stuff that they typically have to put legislation through to do. I don't know how they're going to handle it, but it seems like the province is going to get more involved. And frankly, I don't understand it. I would have thought Ottawa would be more the provincial jurisdiction. The Ambassador Bridge, I would have thought, is federal. It's a border crossing. Am I thinking of that wrong? Or do they just need to get somebody in there to clean this up? Well, yeah, I'm not entirely sure how that falls, but you're right. I think it kind of feels reversed. Where was Doug when it was in Ottawa? And why are we talking about that uh, provincial now getting involved at the border it, it does feel like it's backwards uh, but maybe there's a reason for that it's um it, maybe. maybe 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 doug wants tunnel maybe <laughs> that's what he wants he wants barbecue so now he's getting involved get those trucks out of the way because i need some we, fucking brisket right now we cannot have the supply chain to the barbecue sauce shut down folks that's what it is <laughs> i uh I don't know how it's going to go down, and we don't need to rehash yesterday's podcast, but I will say that whatever happens, I hope it remains peaceful, and I really, really hope that they can find a way to make this work for everybody. 
whether it's the protesters, the government, the cops in particular, I'm so worried about because this could go sideways so many different ways. And frankly, Windsor can go and get an injunction to remove the the protests all they want. I don't know that these people care too much about a court injunction saying they have to move. Mm -hmm. They're already there. They already know that what they're doing is questionable when it comes to the law, the right to protest versus blocking roads and bridges. So I don't know that the court giving an injunction is going to make much of a difference. But in particular, which adds so much more gas to this fire, is the American media is all over this. CNN, Fox News, the everybody. The European media is all over it. They're sending reporters to Ottawa and Windsor. I mean, we're the center of attention worldwide right now because of this protest. And frankly, we look stupid at this point. I mean, well, it, nobody can th- put a good spin on what's happening here. Yeah, when you watch the protesters that were in the face of reporters that were there and trying to record the stories and tell the stories of what was happening and then uh fox shows up and they get like a round of applause mm. you know when the protesters are screaming mainstream media and you guys are all evil and then fox rolls into town and you're like yeah here's our people sean here's hannity's here yeah i'm like mainstream media what do you think fox falls under like it's it, this isn't about the mainstream media not telling the truth it's about you don't hear what you want to hear and then that makes you sad and mad. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. I think Dave nailed it, though. It, it's become something different, right? And that's what's going to be highlighted here is the, that crowd of people that aren't here for the initial message, that are just waving the F Trudeau flags, and they don't care what, what they're showing up to as long as nobody's for him. They're showing up and waving those flags, and that's, that's the disappointing part to me. I don't think this ends without some form of violence, I'll be honest with you, and I wish I, I wish that I thought differently, but I, I don't see it happening. I don't know if it was Tucker Carlson or Sean Hannity, but on Network American primetime news coverage last night, they called Justin Trudeau a gutless, spineless excuse for a leader. Yeah, what? Dude. Hey, that listen, a, I don't love the guy either, but I don't know if we talk shit like that about a foreign leader on national television. That is people who are being taken advantage of. That's grifters who are coming in and saying, hey, we can make a buck by by echoing sentiments of people in this crowd. They, they don't feel that way. And and the whole vaccine thing and the, and the mandate and that, it was funny that Fox was saying, well, we're against all of this. Fox News has a mandate that its staff is vaccinated. Like, stop with the hypocrisy. Stop leading people through this anger. You're making money. It's a machine. You make money off of people's anger, and people are falling for it. I hope everything goes well today. I really do. I uh, I hope it remains peaceful. And if you're one of the unfortunate law enforcement people that has to go in and deal with this, and I have a feeling that's what it's coming to, uh, be safe out there. I'm really thinking about you and your families and everybody involved because it's an unfortunate situation for everybody. I'm thinking about those kids that are there as part of the protest that got taken there because their parents are part of it. And I just hope that nobody gets hurt. I hope that this ends peacefully and amicably. If that can happen, it'll be great. Let's switch gears here because it is Valentine's weekend as well. A Monday Valentine's Day just seems so gross. Yeah, there's nothing great about a month. People don't like Mondays to begin with, and then you got to make it all about the love and shit like that. So I, 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 I yeah, fuck, whatever. It's Valentine's Day. We'll suck it up and deal with it. But Tinder has a new feature, and this might be good for Valentine's Day. It just rolled out this week. If you don't have it in your app, just get an update, and you should have it. It's the blind date feature. 
where in order to see the person's pictures, you need to first have a conversation with them. And once the conversation goes well, then you get to see them. It's like a blind date in the literal sense of blind. You can't see that person. This is not going to work. This okay, is not going to work yeah, at all. And I'm, I agree. I agree. I agree. And Kat feels the same way. And I'm trying to understand why, because I think this is brilliant. Have you not seen Love is Blind on Netflix? This is this is similar to the series. There's a series called Love is Blind. In fact, season two drops today, guys, everybody. Okay, enjoy. Binge it. It's great. Um, oh, Dave. What, are you getting paid Dave, by them? What is Dave, this? Dave, your wife will love it. It's on Netflix. No, it's Ugh. just, it's good because it's drama. For, it's the exact same concept that Scott just mentioned. So Tinder kind of s- scooped that up. So basically what it is, is two people, they are sitting across from each other, but there's a wall up and they get to, they get the chance to get to know each other. And it's wonderful. And in some cases they make this amazing connection and there's a spark. And then finally what happens is the wall is lifted eventually. After several dates, the wall is lifted and you've already made a commitment to that person. You are with them. You don't care what they look like. You feel like they're going to be attractive to you because you love their personality. And what happens? Yeah, most of them end up going their separate ways because they just weren't physically attracted to the other person. I I don't I don't want to completely dismiss this Tinder option that's new. I think that's maybe good for some people who know that they're very I don't know, shallow is the I guess the best most blunt way I can put it to to think, "Hey, maybe I can open broaden my horizons a little bit by chatting with people that maybe I wouldn't have thought were attractive at first glance. I don't think it's going to go well for everybody, but maybe out of it, I don't know, even if a few people hook up, great. Tinder, the entire thing is based on looks. When you're swiping aimlessly on on Tinder, nobody's reading bios. You're swiping based completely on the picture. So, yeah, sure, we can have a nice conversation, and that's all well and good. But when you see the person, and if it's not a, a physical attraction... Very quickly, somebody goes, well, about time for me to be hitting the old dusty trail <laughs> and head the other way, like completely just you. I got to go. Like, and that conversation that was so riveting changes immediately. And all of a sudden it's now three word responses. And and now you ghost them and you never hear from the people ever again. Are you saying that Tinder is just a hookup site? There's not really people in there looking for a relationship Because that kind of makes me wonder, is Tinder just the hookup app and like match is the relationship Mm -hmm. app or how does it work then in your mind? I think there's um, exceptions to the rule, but generally, yeah, I think it's the hookup app. Yeah, I know people that have been married that are married, sorry, with children that met on Tinder. So it's not to say it never works for anybody. We know it does happen. But there's also people who would say the same about a a plenty of fish or a match like you mentioned. Uh, You know, I just don't. I don't think many people are going there for the intention of of eventually marrying the person that they're going to swipe right on. They may get there, but I don't think that's why they went there. No, I think people are looking for love. I think uh, that's all it is. I think some people <laughs> are, though, like legitimately, because what else do you do? What else do you do, Dave? Right now, in the circumstances that we're dealing with, there's not a lot of people going to bars trying to meet people. You try to b- make a conversation with someone in a grocery store. That's like, fuck, back up. Don't go, don't come near me, weirdo. It's really hard to meet that person face to face. So what other options do you have aside from those types of platforms? I think there's more people looking for love that way that have really had it tough for the last couple of years, especially. I think there's more people looking for love right now on those apps than there ever have been. Well, then that's, uh, to be quite honest, I think that that's people who are digging in the wrong place then because it's going to be a lot harder to find it through there. Where are I don't think the majority. Well, the, I don't know. That's it. Go to, go to a <laughs> coffee shop. Go to a park. I don't know. Uh, but you're right. You can't go to somebody at the grocery go store. Go to the park and stand hey, uh, there and just wait for yeah, someone to come Just by. wait for someone. Anybody? Yeah. <laughs> anybody out here? 
like at the grocery store it's it's like hey how's the bok choy you're like what the hell get the but that's like but that's slim pickens too like it's slim pickens no matter where you go i feel like your odds are probably better on an app where at least there's people and maybe eight out of ten of them just want to have sex that's all they want but there might be two out of ten that are interested in a relationship and you are too but as long as let's be let's be clear here you have to be kind enough to be honest and upfront about that let the person know you're not there for a relationship or maybe you're just there for a relationship. You're not interested in getting married or whatever your intentions are. Let it be known up front so nobody's time is wasted. Let me tell you what the real problem is with dating today. In an ideal world, yes, you would probably meet the person. This is the way it used to happen. Right. And now we've just replaced a few steps with technology. So, yeah, you've got your Tinders and your matches and stuff like that. <clears throat> Meeting people in person is not dead. The problem is, is that people have all turned into a giant bunch of pussies. They will not... In- you know how I feel about that word in that context. But I thought in that context it was okay. No. It's not like I was talking about your no, pussy. No, scrotums. Pussies are... Oh, right. Yes. yes. Now we yes. have this okay. conversation. I stand corrected. People are just a giant bunch of scrotums. Thank you. They will not approach people. What happened to the art of conversation? I'll be totally honest with you. Doesn't matter if I'm in a grocery store, a Canadian tire, a library, a bar, or wherever. I have no problem starting up a conversation with somebody. And, and when those conversations start, boom, that's how you cut to the chase. I've hung out with Scott numerous times at numerous events. And I can tell you that's true, actually. You are the type of person that just starts a conversation with someone randomly. Yeah. And if they're hot, it's going to be a good conversation. <laughs> that's just the way it works. I met my girlfriend at a wedding. And I just, because yeah. I, I don't have any fear there. I'll just go up and say, hey. Not everybody has that. You're right. But I don't think that we should call them names because of it, right? Well, you just didn't like the word I used. No, but I mean, (laughs) yeah, but cowardly. I don't think we should assume they're all cowardly people. I mean, it's okay to be nervous. Not everybody has that. Okay. Is that just because they don't know how to do it or because it's been so long since they've done it or they just have, I don't know, weird uh, issues? Anxiety. I mean, a number of things. Any one of those things you mentioned, I think, are valid. All of the above, yeah. But it seems like everybody has steered away from the art of seduction. It's almost like nobody wants to go and initiate that conversation. They only want to do it through the anonymity of an app or a website. It's kind of like the the social media phenomenon that we've seen over the last couple of years. People that used to be quiet and just post their daily inspiration memes and shit like that, they're all over Facebook screaming about mandates and shots and things like that. They say things online when it's anonymous that they wouldn't say in person to another human being if they were looking at one. I don't understand why we had to go from one extreme to the other. I'm telling you, guys, if you want to try and approach somebody, you've got a far better chance at using your words and talking to them, being there, than going online and hoping to find their profile or match with them. It's silly to me that all of this has gone online when there was a perfectly acceptable way that literally worked for generations before this. I think you're on to something here. There, There is something to be said about the comfort of a little bit of anonymity. There's a comfort in kind of being able to control what people see of you. So that's why online feels a little bit safer. We have a mutual friend, all of us, who is uh, a, a professor at a university. And uh, in one of her classes, she assigned... Um, a bunch of a bunch of um, different projects, and one of them was cold calling people, and was to talk to people directly, strangers. And she, the majority of the class like freaked about it and was like, ah, "I'm not comfortable doing that." And and it's like, wait, what? 
Like you're, you, this person wants to join a, a business world where you're going to have to communicate with people face to face and uh, on phone calls and things like that. And there was just like this whole pushback of like, yeah, we're not comfortable doing that. And it's like, you're what? You're not comfortable talking oh. to people? So I, I don't know. I mean, you, I think you do have you are onto something when you say that there is that bit of generational kind of we're we're weaning away from those uncomfortable conversations. We need to be comfortable having uncomfortable conversations. And we don't get to do that if we don't get to practice that. Mm, good point. And you makes you wonder if we should start like having classes for the younger generation. I'll now. teach it. Like not a home, <laughs> you know, scrap the home X and everything else. Let's teach you how to talk to people. Let's get you back know? to basics. And not even necessarily in a romantic way. It could be, it could be for that job application that you submitted or for those cold calls. It sucks that we're kind of, la- we're going to start to lack that. We already have started lacking those skills. Right. If you, if, if the three of us right now were sitting in say the lobby bar at the Royal York. I, could oh, prob- I love that place. I, can, I know, place. I know you like that place. That's why I oh, went with I love that. It. One. I could yeah, probably shout out, sh- shout out to Benny Hanna's. By the way, I know I don't think it's there anymore, but uh, is that it was not? A wonderful spot. Yeah, I think it closed down. Oh really? Oh, okay. What's there now? Is there anything else? Are they lighting anything uh, else on fire instead? <laughs> Jerry Jerry Hanna's. <laughs> not very diverse anymore. <laughs> no, no. Listen, if we sat at the lobby bar at the Royal York, give me half an hour and I'll get a phone number. It's it might a, not be the right number, but you'll get a phone number. Well, I mean, <laughs> this, this is what I mean. And, and, and I'm nothing special. Look at me. I'm, I'm nothing special at all. But there's a confidence factor when you talk to somebody in person. You have a far better chance at making that connection or knowing that there's nothing here. I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you. But people are afraid, uh, afraid of doing that. It's Galentine's on Sunday. Ladies, why don't you try that? If you're going to go out, if you can get in under the 50% capacity limit on Super Bowl Sunday... Be open to it. If somebody starts a conversation, be open to it. Don't just uh, uh, blow them off or whatever. See where it goes. Be comfortable in uncomfortable situations. Is that what you said, Dave? Is that how you phrase that? Yeah, learn to be comfortable in uncomfortable situations. Yeah, I mean, embrace a little bit of it and, you know, build on it. You never know where it'll go. How do you practice that? You just start small? Like, I guess, yeah. Go to the park and talk to squirrels. I don't know. (laughs) Trees, squirrels, <laughs> pictures of Justin Trudeau. There's lots of yeah, different whatever. ways you can practice. Yeah, talk like in the you, mirror. When you used to if practice mirror, kissing on your hand. Yeah, talk in the mirror. And if the person in the mirror walks away, then you, you need more practice. <laughs> Fuck this. I don't even like me. Yeah, I feel but I do feel bad for those people that are struggling with that kind of thing. Yeah. And I, I just don't think we're making it any easier. I'd like to see it become a much easier thing for people to do and in some cases there is there's this this sort of fearlessness with uh like a younger generation of just yeah i don't care what happens but they don't approach it the same way because it's like all or nothing you know Mm -hmm. it's not strategic anymore there's not a there's not a plan there's not a conversation that that sort of blooms out of the initial contact one of the best traits you can have is confidence not arrogance not overconfidence just confidence talk to people talking is great talk to anybody Try it. It'll work. I hope. And if it doesn't work, don't blame me. I don't know. I didn't tell you what to say. One more thing I want to cover here. This came up on our FM radio show today, and it was a really, really fun conversation. It was a thread on one of the mom blogs that talked about strange rules that the parents grew up with. Rules for all of us when we were kids that likely don't exist today. Because I'm sure that there's kids out there who think it's nonsense that they can't have their cell phone at the table 
or they think it's crazy that that you can't video game until four o'clock in the morning and you have to get up for school the next day. There's lots of rules that we didn't have as kids that kids today have and vice versa. Rules that we had that kids would not even understand in 2022. Let me give you some examples because we got some great ones this morning. When we played our basement, this person says, my dad would do three stomps on the floor. Boom, boom, boom. Yep. That's when we knew we had to go upstairs. Okay. We each had our way to be called in too. Do you guys remember like playing outside? Uh, when the street lights came on, I had was to Was that your rule? I had to get in when the street lights came on. Or if it was a lunch thing that I had to be back for, when I could hear the church bells ringing, I knew it was 12 o'clock and it was time to get home. Wow. Mm-hmm. My parents were whistlers. Oh. Loud yeah. whistlers. Loud, loud, loud. You could hear it. I could hear it two streets down and everyone knew, Callahan's, you got to go home. That was mine. Dave, did you have any weird things like that? No. No, I don't even know if my mom knew I was home or not. Oh. <laughs> See? And that's the thing. That's the interesting part is like every family is so different. Rules at the dinner table popped up a lot when we talked about this. And everybody has their own rules. Some had none. It seemed none at all. Like you eat if you want to eat. You don't eat if you don't want to eat. You leave the table when you want. Other people are like, you must eat everything on your plate. Um, no elbows on the table. Someone said here, no singing at the table. Singing? No, Who's singing sing- at dinner? I'd be I so don't... mad if someone's singing while I'm trying to eat dinner. Yeah, I mean, unless you had music on, then maybe you're singing along to it. Maybe it was their turn to say grace, and they wanted to do it like the priests do. <laughs> <laughs> make, it a big, make it a big presentation. The pastor's standing now. I don't know. I, I Especially the singing thing. I can't imagine. like th- Music at the dinner table, sure, I guess. But if somebody started singing, I'd be like, will you shut up and eat? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stop it. Let me read you a couple of them from the thread online. This person says... We were forbidden to touch the windows in the car when I was young. We also weren't allowed to eat in the car either. No way. That's a good one. You weren't allowed to touch the windows in your car. I remember getting in trouble for that. And sometimes we do it on purpose where we thought we could just wipe it away, right? They won't see. And then you do the, and you write a little thing or something. You write F you to your sibling. And then you like quickly like erase it before they can see, but they can always tell. Mm -hmm. And to this day, I don't like when my kid does that. My kid does that all the time. I'm stop. I got to get the Windex out and clean that. But I do let them eat in the car. I don't remember if I had specific rules on eating in the car. Don't remember that. I was never allowed to eat in the car. No? No. You eat before you get in the car. We'll drive to wherever we're going and then probably eat again, but never in the car. This person says, we were never allowed to use the front room in the house. The front room was only for guests. (laughs) What? (laughs) I cannot with that. I grew up around a lot of people who, specifically Europeans, I'm going to call them a, they will, there was plastic on the couch, front front room, untouched. You couldn't walk in there. And if you did walk in there, I remember my friends being like, get out, get out, get out of there before my mom yells at you. I'm like, what? Why do you have this room? And I'd always ask like, who uses it? Nobody. Well, why? Just in case special company comes over. Who are you waiting for? The Pope? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't understand why you don't use a room in your house that you're buying. Like you this is the Pope this. room. Don't yeah. go in there. <laughs> only, only in case the queen comes over. I don't understand it. You I like- wonder what level that that guest has to be. Like, is it is it it's not parents. It's not like your grandparents coming over. I wonder what level of guests they expected was coming. They were either expecting the president of the United States, the queen of England, or or their boss. Those were the only people that would ever be allowed to use the front room because the front room needed to stay pristine. The thing is, they, they did have the, I had a friend too, uh, who had the, the plastic over the furniture. <laughs> yeah. And I assumed, okay, well, they take the plastic off when people come over. Nope. 
It was always Ooh. just plastic. You, you I don't sat think, on I, it. I don't think <laughs> jeans ever touched that couch. There was never a denim print on that couch. Nothing says get me out of here more than having to sit on a plastic couch for a while, too. Like, you just feel so uncomfortable. It's not welcoming at all. So I don't know what they're going with. The other, the other one, because you just reminded me of one that came in, no pooping in the upstairs bathroom. This person says... Uh, that's, that's good. Yeah. Well, I mean, and you can't hate on that. No. It, but it was a rule. Like, if you need to poo, you go down to the basement. Yeah. I, I have that rule, you too, You take though. your shame to the you, basement. <laughs> that's the poo room. And there's yeah. just, like, Febreze bottles all down there. And- yeah. Well, like a powder room, like, near the front door. Right. It was always, like... It, there was no, like, rule in place of, like, do not poop in here. But it was kind of commonly understood across the, the board. Yeah, I, let's let's use a different bathroom. I think so. We need to acknowledge the time that we live in. If you decide, you know what? This is cool. Nobody's around. I'm just going to take a dump in the powder room. <laughs> That's when someone's going to knock on the door. That's the day yep. your neighbor swings by and yep. happens to have to pee and can't use their or, own bathroom. Or you're like, your mom's in town and she, oh, I knew you lived close and I had to pee. No! <laughs> No, I just desecrated that bathroom. Nobody should be going in there for at least an hour. And that's why you don't poo in the powder room. You go yeah, up to you your got- bathroom or down to the basement. You never poo in the powder room. You, you got a guest coming over. They're, they're bringing food. Oh, we brought you some casserole. We thought you'd enjoy this. And like, let's have a conversation outside for about 10 or 15 minutes. <laughs> then we'll bring the casserole indoors. Yeah, yeah. it's this new thing. I, I invite all the guests to just pee in the sink now because the... <laughs> Yeah, we just do that now at our place. Don't ask questions. Yeah. Did you ever have uh, a time where a parent would like clean the bathroom and then get mad if you used it? Oh, like well, I, I still get in trouble for using the bathroom right after it's been cleaned. Like, but there's like a statement that comes before it, right? Where your parents like, I just cleaned that bathroom. You're like, all right, what does that mean? It's like, don't use it yet. I'm like, how, is there, does it have to stay clean for a certain amount of time before it can be used again? Like, you're going to force me to go use the laundry sink? Like, what are we doing here? Hey, listen, if you go into a newly cleaned bathroom and you're not the one who cleaned it, God help you. If you get yeah. water on the counter or if you splash on the sink the or mirror? in the mirror, oh. you might as well just pack your bags and get the fuck out of there. Because yeah, you you're, you're no you're longer welcome. See, all of these things are just write-offs for me that you guys are talking about right now because I have two little kids, one of which I'm in the midst of potty training right now, and my bathroom's constantly a disaster because of it. There's fucking <laughs> step stools here and sink full of whatever. I have to clean it like every single day anyway. Every single day. How do they manage to get toothpaste on the mirror? I don't know, but it happens. <laughs> toothpaste on the mirror? Oh, I say it's, like, it's incredible. That's aggressive brushing inc- is what that is. It's incredible. <laughs> I don't know whether they're flinging the toothpaste. I don't know what's happening in there. One of the rules that we used to have at my place was the streetlights one was non-negotiable. When the streetlights came on, it was time to come home. And I do remember thinking to myself, but never actually saying it to my mom. I don't know if she realizes, but the lights come on later and later. So right now she wants me home at six, but in about a month and a half, I'll be home at nine. And it's still the same streetlights. I'm still abiding by the same rules. It's just she doesn't realize that in the summertime, my curfew gets later and later and later. So there was that, but I didn't want to point that out to her because I was trying to fly under the radar. You thought you'd like figured out like a hole in the system or something. She yeah. just didn't want you in the dark. That's all. It's just about the dark. Darkness comes evil. Well, so, when you know, the like man's the, coming. Yeah, the devil all comes out. Here so comes the like, rag and bone, in, man. Get in, Scotty. Quick. I think on on the flip side of it, I, I was told don't come home 
<laughs> don't come home when when it's still light out ever <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. To, you go outside and play home. i don't want to see you till dark yeah don't come home until it's dark that used to happen a lot yeah there's a lot of people like that you just go out and play i don't okay. want to see you until the lights come on and you got into some crazy stuff that way mm-hmm. like the, your parents are just let you go and maybe that still happens today i don't know my, my kids are not at that age where i just let them go but is that the case now where it's just like you yeah play down the street i don't need a like now i feel like more people ask for phone numbers and parents names and where are you going to be and what, what time are you going to get back and where exactly you're going to go and even if you're just outside playing by like a pond for example like we used to just leave the neighborhood yeah. as long as we are I, back in time. <laughs> yep. I played at the creek for yeah. hours and hours on end. It's so true. So let me ask you this, though. There was uh, an episode of like Naked and Afraid or something. And one of the people described themselves in their bio by saying, yeah, my, you know, I'm an outdoors person. My parents used to drop me off when I was about nine in the forest and just say, enjoy the weekend. And they would just drive away. And so I learned how to survive in the and he just kind of brushed that away and then <laughs> continued on with the with the, the the bio. And I'm like, wait, what? You were nine years old and your parents took you to the forest and said, have a good weekend. Mm-hmm. What the hell? It was like NASA <laughs> survival training. <laughs> what? What is that? Tell me. Tell me that never happened. Neither one of you ever experienced a drop off point at some random spot in the middle of nowhere. And just said, yeah, yeah, have fun. Yeah. You have to be home when you can find your way home. <laughs> There's your new curfew. Oh, that really <laughs> sounds like child protective services should have got involved there. That does not sound right. Oh, it, it was the like the Wild West. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was bad. Uh, the, the rule, though, that drove me crazy. Oh, I hated it so much because I was just fat and I liked food. And I would plow through my dinner in no pro- in no time, right? Like, what are we having? Meatloaf and mashed potatoes? Giddy up. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to leave the table until my brother finished his dinner. And I think it was sort of a carrot and stick kind of deal where – my mom thought that if she makes me sit there, that I would pressure him to hurry up and eat his dinner. That just made things worse. So I had to sit there like an asshole at the table way, 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 way past when I had finished eating, just watching him move carrots and pieces of broccoli around the plate as if he's trying to wear my mom down. And I'm just a pawn in this whole mess that's going on in the house thinking to myself, I have shit to do. I know I'm only seven, but I've got stuff to do. There's the Lego's not going to put itself together. (laughs) Mario is not going to be able to rescue the princess on his own. I need to help. Like there's all kinds of things that I need to do. And I'm sitting here at the table because he won't eat his dinner. I ate my dinner. Where's my praise? I did what you want done. He's the one screwing around. You're pinching the back of his arm at the table when you're like, there's a fire game of TV tag going on outside right now. And I need to be part of it. Yeah, I, I don't, stupid carrots. I don't love that rule. I remember like similar. My sister used to eat really slow, too. And I remember at times we'd have to wait if we had dessert. And we were not a dessert family. That's what I always heard. I don't know if you guys were a dessert family. Never. Christmas. Same. Same. Like special occasions. And every now and again on a random Friday or Saturday, it was only on a one weekend day. We were lucky and we got to have a dessert. Otherwise, if we wanted something sweet, we'd have to eat an apple. That was the rule. And I always got told, an apple, we're eh? not a dessert family. Uh, we're not a dessert. That, that was it. That was the saying. We're not a dessert family. Because I, of course, would come at it with, well, blah, blah, got to have Oreos after dinner. Well, we're not a dessert family. What do you want? Have an apple. That was the that was the go to. Right. And to this day, I mean, I, I don't blame my parents for that. I kind of do similar to my kids. But I remember the nights that we did get a treat of some kind for whatever reason. That was the role. You have to wait for everybody to finish their food. And uh, it was always the night my sister was the slowest. Hmm. Hurry up so I can have a damn ice cream cone. Exactly. I want my drumstick. Uh, nowadays, though, it would actually be cheaper to buy a pre-made cake than it would be to buy an apple. 
You're not well, wrong. Well, there's that. You're not wrong. We had a very adult conversation this morning off the. I don't even think we were on the radio. We no, this just, was. It was like <laughs> 5 a.m. I don't even. I think it was you that mentioned lemons or something like that, and I said. You know they want a dollar a lemon right now at the grocery <laughs> they store? Do. They do. It's true. It used to be three or four for a dollar. Now it's a dollar for a lime. Well, and I'm- What lunacy is this? And that goddamn blockade right fucking now. I know. I know. And me, I, I fill up a bag of like five, six lemons yesterday. So I'm just like, oh, great. This will come to $2. And I- What are you doing it? with all those lemons? I don't like, know. When you're, Somebody's you planning on boozing hard this well, weekend. That's that's what I was thinking. When you're younger, it's about- you a lemon because you're going to have shots of tequila, tequila when everyone comes over. But now it's like you're learning how to zest it and, and things like that. And like, I'm going to make a meringue. Part that like, and part decor, Dave. It looks decor. really nice. I have like a bright red bowl and the red with the yellow looks nice. So I buy lemons to go inside because I don't want to buy fake lemons because then if someone comes over and they look and I have fake lemons, that's weird, right? So I have really. to be weird. Is it? Is it not weird? No, no that's when you go what take you- a poo in the powder room for a distraction. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look at my plastic lemons. (laughs) Do you smell that? (laughs) Fuck. Right now, plastic lemons are cheaper, though, and they're not cheap. It's ridiculous. If anybody's reaching into the bowl and grabbing a lemon, they're the weird ones. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to see if it was real. Well, I just don't want it to be, like, dusty. Like, the plastic ones will get, like, dusty, won't they? And I got to clean lemons? This plastic lemons is weird. Do you eventually eat the lemon? (laughs) I do. Yeah, I do, actually. And my daughter actually likes lemon water. So I'll cut up lemon and she'll have lemon water. I do use the lemon. Yeah, I use it in water. I use it in in, in alcoholic drinks and non-alcoholic drinks. So it does See, get used. You're worried about the impression that someone's going to have of you if they pick up a fake piece of fruit. Again, <laughs> I submit that it's weird for them to touch your fruit. I suppose. Then why is it that I, I would feel like the weird one? But get I shouldn't. Get out of here, you fruit t- toucher. You're, t- <laughs> you're telling me I shouldn't feel like the weird one. They, no. They're weird. Get plastic okay. fruit. Go for it. Hang it from the <laughs> ceiling if you want. Get like fake onions and, and garlic and make it make it look like you got a whole thing going on. <laughs> make it really it. weird just to pull oh, lemons yeah. and garlic. Just get fake salami. Like Make it look like you got a deli going on in your kitchen. It's great. Fun fact. The whole charcuterie board is rubber. <laughs> Everything on it. Yum. Can I have some? Nope. That's plastic cheese. Can't look at it. this. You can, you can bounce the brie. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. It's also an eraser. Yeah. <laughs> that salami is actually a dog toy <laughs> does the fake fruit smell like fruit i don't think so they sell it at michael's like I, I almost bought them like i almost bought the lemons because again we're going through a crisis here where lemons are a dollar each and a bag of Kat, fake lemons are still eight dollars so I, i'm you, wrestling with it cat you treat yourself to some <laughs> fake lemons this weekend <laughs> you've got my support on that thank you dave a dollar a lemon a dollar a lime they want like Six ninety five for half a watermelon, and maybe you can justify that in your head as well. It's only six ninety five. That's for half the watermelon in season. You get the whole one for four dollars. Yeah. And I- isn't that funny? Because there's so many businesses that have taken advantage of the laziness. So a half a cantaloupe that has already been cored for you or, or seeded or whatever you want to call it is like three ninety nine, and then a whole one is four dollars and twenty nine cents. Yeah. So it's like, you're not, listen, you're not really saving very much here. Somebody probably had to go and take the time to cut that. So it's worth the extra. No, it's not. You could easily cut that cantaloupe in half and you'd have a whole one. It doesn't take that much work. It really doesn't. Some things are a pain in the ass. Avocados are a pain in the ass. Avocados are a pain in the ass. I was wondering what the cost of avocados right now. Are they high too? A million dollars. That's how much they are. (laughs) Avocados are, are crazy because if you buy like one or two, 
it's always like they go bad before mm-hmm. you get to the parking lot. But then you buy a bag of like five of them and you're going, there's no way I'm going to eat all five of these before they go bad. <laughs> <laughs> but like the one, the first one you pick up when you open the bag, you're like, this is rock hard and mm-hmm. I could kill somebody if I threw it at them. So I'm going to wait a couple of days. And then by the time you remember you have an avocado, you open it up and, and it's like, I can't eat this anymore. Rotten. It's soup. Rotten. Yeah, it's gone bad. Yeah. And on that, we will say thank you for listening to this episode of After 9. Guys, you have a great Super Bowl weekend. Thank you. you. Can I just throw in before we do uh, end this podcast, some apologies are necessary. Yes. Uh, We'd like to apologize to the Tupac hologram. Uh, (laughs) We don't know why he's glitching. It's not his fault. Uh, We'd also like to apologize for engineers who suggest every time that you just reboot it, no matter what the problem is. We should also apologize to the mayor of Windsor because his job is not easy. And nobody wants it. Um, also, we'd like to apologize to anybody who used Tinder to find love. And finally, people who have fake lemons in their house. We're sorry. I'm going shopping for fake lemons right now. Yeah. I'll have the real ones at my place this weekend. <laughs> but I won't be eating anything else. Just lemons. At a dollar a piece, that's all you eat. Crazy. And you finish every bite of that, Scotty. <laughs> Nobody's wait- leaving the table until it's done. <laughs> you wait for your brother to finish, too. <laughs> I should do that now. <laughs> I'm thinking of getting up from the table. Jeff, are you done eating at your place? (laughs) Call him up. Hey, you should eat some of the rind. It's good for you. (laughs) I should find out if he's still as picky an eater as he used to be. Have a great weekend, guys. Go football. And we'll see you on Valentine's Day. Super Bowl is on Sunday here in L.A. It's supposed to be 86 degrees Sunday. It's going to be so hot they're doing the Gatorade dump before the game on Sunday. The Hollywood Reporter revealed that attendees at the Oscar show will not have to show proof of vaccination, which I assume is the Academy's roundabout way of announcing that Rob Schneider is hosting the show. (laughs) It's Rob and Nicki Minaj's cousin's friend. The After 9 Podcast is powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.